Crit! Oh my god. What up, guys? It's Crit. Welcome to Really. Joined today, I've got F. Dot here, commentator, loudmouth, and that's, I think. Yeah, I'm not that loud. What the fuck? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, alright. You're, you're like my mom. My mom is one of those people where she gets on the phone and she starts yelling so you can hear regardless of whether or not she's talking on the phone. It's always so funny hearing people's phone conversations, phone, not conversations, but voices. Like, everybody has a voice, right? Like, it's, yeah, you know, man. like, this is me talking to you with a, hello? Yes, this is he, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I do the, hello, this is Cret. It's always I'm very, of, uh. It's a couple of notches up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. I, I try to do a little bit more of like a very friendly um, secretary sort of voice when I'm picking up the phone. I don't know why. I don't even like phone. I hate phones. I hate talking on the phone. You hate technology. Wait, you hate phones too because every time this guy calls me, every time this guy calls me, it's either via Hangouts or Skype. <laughs> and like, we're talking on the phone. He's on his phone. I'm on my phone, and we're not actually using a phone. I don't even know what my minutes are for anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just hit crit, and it dials a crit, so... Anyway, yeah, but guys, you use a different uh, one every time, so I don't even know what you're doing. I mean, honestly, who knows, but today, this week's episode, we're going to get into a little... We're going to talk a little bit about the, the qualifiers, and we're in the middle of week one and two, so we'll talk a little bit about the qualifiers for Smite that happened last week, are going to happen this week, uh, new lineup for enemy esports, and uh, honestly, it's a conversation that I was afraid to have because I thought a lot of people would think it was boring. But my test tweet shows a lot of people are actually interested in spectator UI. I actually do think it's a pretty interesting topic, and I can't wait to get into it because there's a lot of stuff to think about. So I think we'll try and break it down, see what. Just, I, I want to create a framework for a discussion, right? Like, I want to have a discussion in a way that's meaningful as opposed to, like... Right. You ever see those conversations where people just argue past each other and it's like, you're not going to accomplish anything because you're not actually having a discussion? I that's what I want to avoid, and I, I think have... that... I think that happens with spectator guys. I think it's a lot of, well, I think this is good. Well, I think this is good. And it's like, guys, you're not disagreeing. <laughs> yeah. I've been to Reddit.com before. So uh, I yes. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit like that. Oh man, but well, so we'll get to that a little bit later because, like I said, I I'm actually really amped, and it's a conversation that I have all the time at work, at home, with friends, just all the it's time. It's true. So, so it's uh, true. It's uh, it's actually after cuddling or during cuddling, if that likes to be like. So, what's your thoughts on the minimap placement? And he's thought a lot about it if you check out his personal stream. If you check out his personal stream, he has thought a lot about it. Because his minimap is, like, right here. Dude, I have my minimap in the middle of my screen. Thanks to Dare to Care, uh, I have my teammates right under my feet, so... Actually, that's know. from me. Sorry. Well, I, I told from, Dare to do that. That's from MMO play in general. Actually, I told Zapman to do it, but Dare didn't. And Zap didn't, so hey! <laughs> of course Zap didn't. <laughs> so qualifiers, uh, week one qualifiers. Have... Uh, you cut out, buddy. Oh, fantastic. Basically, if y'all are new to the qualifying situation, week one's in the books. Essentially, we've got relegations and expansion going on at the same time, so it's a little confusing. There's like split, uh, the spring split had six slots. Summer slot, summer split will have eight slots for the SPL teams. Yep. And in addition to that, 
Seeds five and six have to defend. So there's relegations, which is SPL versus Challenger, and a Challenger might be able to steal that slot. And then there's expansion, which is straight Challenger versus Challenger, where they can get one of the new spots. And that creates a really weird situation. We covered it on last week's show. But honestly, if it wasn't like such a big deal to go from six slots to eight slots, I I would say it's a bad idea to relegate and yeah. expand at the same time. But we're going from six slots to eight slots. Like, I am completely down. It does create some weird situations, but whatever. It's it's worth it, right? Because generally what you want to say is you want to be like, okay, or ideally if we had, like, all the time in the world, like, between seasons, you'd be like, okay, well, you do the relegations, and then you do an expansion. So, like, you'd have Eager versus Enemy, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. whoever loses would go into the expansion tournament and see if they could get back in through that. But... Don't have the time. Some complex stuff going on there. So, like, this'll do. It's it's fine. That'll do, pig. That'll do. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I really have no issue with it. A lot of people have talked about the format. I mean, I guess we could, we could talk a little bit... I think the format's probably going to be the meat and, meat and potatoes of the conversation. Uh, okay. So, why don't we talk about... The three, the three matches that we saw that aren't going to spark that conversation. So, COG versus Resist, I mean... I think two matches, actually. I'm going to argue there okay. are two matches that don't spark that conversation. Ah, yes, we'll talk North America. So, COG versus Resist, I mean, there was just no surprise for me there. Yeah. Well, actually, there was. I think Resist lasted longer than I was expecting them to. I think they played some okay. good games. They can be proud and... It, they looked like a team that could do very well in the Challenger Cup next week. They're also like they're the perfect definition of a Challenger team. They're players that are like need to grow and then could be in the SPL. Like it's awesome. Oh, I'm yeah. really happy for them. Uh, very similar to Noble Esports in my mind, right? Like this, the Challenger Cup is perfect for them. Um, I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I kind of feel like their thirst last year, which isn't. As much of an insult as we've kind of like come to jokingly yeah, use I agree. it, I feel like Thirst was a team that didn't succeed in the SPL because of just well, uh, a variety of reasons, game. really. Right, right. They won their first game, and there was a bunch of people ahead of them. But I think of Thirst, that lineup, Nantombro, Chacho, Wolfie, the whole lineup, and the two people that frankly didn't exist. I think if that lineup was in the challenge, well, I don't know, Jaco existed. Sure, Jaco did. Solo just never did. You had like Fusion yeah, yeah. and Oz, whatever. Um, I think if that I think if that team existed in the Challenger Cup, they'd be able to grow the team, grow with other shit, and sort of like become a different team. And then relegations. Sure. I think they might have gotten their way in, and but whatever, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, I think this for Resist is better for them to stay in the Challenger Cup. They're in the Challenger Cup now against teams like Eager and Legion, and those teams are going to graduate up. Yeah. And they'll be sort of the top of the, not the top of the class, but one of the top of the class. And they'll be able to fight and sort of uh, learn how well, to Well, yeah, the point is that they're a part of the, the class. Ones. They can, like, right. they can learn, they can grow, which is actually what the Challenger Cup is for. And you can then create, like, a really cool scene. And now I'm just excited. It creates, like, not having Legion and Eager in finals every week creates more room for the other teams to grow and, and play more games. And it's really awesome. Um, right. And then the another the the other North American match, which was uh, out of the Challenger Cup, which was Legion versus Return. Honestly, kind of what you would expect as well. Like 
okay. return, cloud their way through a game, and won that one. But in the end, <laughs> Legion was the stronger team. Um, I think I think Perdic has finally found his team. Like okay, I'm not saying that this five is going to last. What I'm saying is that uh, so. It, Perdiccas is a name that's been around Smite for a long time. I know we have a lot of new Smite fans in the audience. So basically, DJ Perdiccas was... An he was Ionic's original time. lane partner. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> on a team with Talkity. Well, that's got to blow up any time. Like, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a recipe, right? But so essentially, Perdiccas is an old... He's like uh, maybe a year younger than me. So he's, uh, you know, a little older than the 16th well, He's like 32. Yeah, something like that. But uh, you know, he's like a gym bro from a Counter Strike background. Not exactly a not exactly a, a soft around the edges type dude. Uh, none of this is negative, by the way. It's just uh, it's just objective observation. Uh, mm -hmm. Homie comes from shooters, just like Scott Scott Condi, where like people are in MOBAs are very you know no BM, be nice, etc. And that's not the attitude in shooters. And shooters have Keemstar. I mean, I, I love drama. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Pernicus has always had this, like, uh, sort of rough-around-the-edges approach, which a lot of people don't like, but I've always enjoyed. And with that said, he's extremely mechanically gifted and a good leader when he doesn't get under his teammate's skin. So, him and, him and Payne have played together for a while now, and it's lasted. And I think that Payne's sort of, like happy-go-lucky, nothing-can-ever-fuck-with-me attitude combined with the hot-headedness of Pernicus yeah. either balances itself out or they just get each other. And I'm super happy because it just seems to be working uh, with that with those two in specific. And I think either it'll find its way throughout the lineup or they'll find, they'll pull, now that they're SPL, they'll pull people in and do different things. I think that this is the beginning of something very, very good for DJ Pernicus, and all I can say is it's about goddamn time. <laughs> I also think, like, Payne and Pern have so, a really good, create a really good situation for Arduro to grow as a player and really, like, right. become a fully formed mid laner. And he's close. Like, he, he is damn close to being, like, a standard SPL mid laner. I think he just needs, like, a little bit more. Um, I think he's finally escaped the shadow of being a Dignitas sub. For sure. Yes, totally. I think he is out of the shadow and now just needs, like, a little bit more growth to just, like... So when you say Yaduro, you could be like, here's what Yaduro does and other mid laners don't do. I don't think we mm -hmm. can really do that yet. No. I mean, probably the players on the team can't answer that question, but as an observer, <laughs> I can't. Um, so maybe just, like, a little bit no more. But I think that three-man combination is also really good for... A really good place for the potential solo and hunter players to grow. Now, whether or not Panicot and Wellplaid are... A well played stay on the team in the long run like I don't know but right. they could grow on the team new players could come in they could grow on the team like it could be really good as long as it is the right cumulative environment as long as like everyone put together continues to work out and mm -hmm. you know who knows right I, I really liked what I saw out of uh, Panicat and well played for what it's worth I mean Return, like we said, isn't exactly a super strong team. Head-to-head uh, -head against Legion, they actually just, uh, as far as how well they placed in the Challenger Cup, they come up a little bit short. But Panicat, extremely proficient and confident 1v1 player, which in that Hunter role is extremely important. You think about the Hunters that really come to mind, and it's always Barracuda, Zatman, Reels, right? Yeah. Even, fun, even Fun Ball. All four of those dudes have one thing in common, they will just fight you, and they will think that they're better than you, no matter who Moex. you are. 
Mullix. Yeah, Mullix, Mullix has that too. And guess where he's at? The freaking SP. All right, sure. <laughs> um, so let's let's jump over to Europe, and I want to talk about Mullix first. I think that's uh, it, it has some interesting points. It's got a lot to talk about, and it's also it's got a bit of an argument there, right? There, like there's okay. there's some depth. So right. really good games, five game series. It was the game that like everyone thought was going to go to five games. Maybe not the way they expected because it was like. Spicy Waffles win two, Night's Watch win three. Like, generally, you don't see a best of five go in that order. Yeah. Um, but, like, Night's Watch is just a team that really looked like they deserve to be in the SPL. They're players that we know, aside oh, yeah. from maybe Wolf of Elo Street, and even then, he's actually been around for a long time through ranked, yep. and, like... Man, he's just sort of... It, he reminds me of a little bit of uh, Unique from Formerly of the Chunks, where it's like... Unique. They're a player that's been in ranked for long enough that it's like, eventually they're going to come to the competitive scene and let's see how they do. And then he did, and now he's in the SPL. Let's see how he does, you know? I, I feel uh, Bronx Bombers. Perfect example. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, even though I would argue that Unique's the better example because he was just in ranked for longer, yeah. whereas Bronx was just sort of like a rising star. Like, it was just like, it was like a linear progression of stuff he did. He came into ranked and he just sort of kept going and then SPL and then he did, you know? So <laughs> and, then um, he, and then he combat blinked Freya on the game. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that play. I'm sorry. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> plays. Like blinking in the wave. Or, oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. But so, right, I mean, Night's, Watch looked, Night's Watch looked great. Um, no surprise there. We all know I'm super unbiased, but NQ has been one of my favorite oh players. My yeah. I'm separating person from player. I love the dude. He's a great dude. He's one of my favorite people, too. But just play style-wise, the way he plays... I thought I thought he was the best solo laner when Game Hunter and Zelia were in the conversation. The conversation was Game Hunter or Zelia, Game Hunter or Zelia, and I was like, why not NQ? I thought he was the best. He left for school. I'm super happy he's back. Um, yeah, I'm really glad to see NQ back as well. Great player, deserves to be in the SPL. But Spicy Wolves is another really good team. Like they sort of deserve to be there too. If I had to bet, I would have bet on the Knights Watch, even though I. Like, it just sort of looked like player math to me, right? Like, yeah. Night Swatch has more people I recognize, whereas, <laughs> like, Spicy well, Waffles have, it, like, right? Flurry Q. And, like, I know who he is. He's been around for a while, but it's just sort of the player math in my mind went in favor of the Night Swatch a little bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, That said, I think the start of the discussion is... Spicy Waffles played like they deserve to be in the SPL. And, like, flat out. I agree. And because of the system, only one of those two teams that both looked like they deserve to be in the SPL could be there. And that does sort of suck, right? Like, that's, like, that's the potential issue with the relegation system. And... Sure. I'm as as long... Like it's fine. Knows. It's fine as long as, like, there are five teams that deserve to be in the SPL. Right, like you look at the winners, are like, yeah, they earned their spot. They really look mm -hmm. good. I can't wait to see what they can do in the regular season. Right, then it's fine because then it's like, well, you know, your team definitely deserves to be in the SPL, but your regular season could have gone better, gotten you a better matchup that you could like have done better with. But like, if you come into a situation where one team doesn't look so good and they have a lot of trouble, and they win through a fluke. And the guy in the talk show has a controversial opinion about them, and your team looks a lot better, then it causes some problems. And I'm talking about Dignitas, because right. 
I'm just going to say, they look like shit, man. No, Jenkins' house did not look good. Um, yeah. I think that... And I mean, so... The poppies, is, I, I'm sure chat's going to push buttons and, and make us talk about it, which I'm totally down for. Uh, yeah. I think that the poppies looked better than they were in actuality, and I think that the I team agree. would agree with me. I, I think if poppies was a more... Like... Obviously, if there wasn't that disconnect, but also if the Poppies right. was a more experienced team, they could have capitalized like a shit ton oh, yeah. harder. Oh, of course, one hundred percent. And I mean, like the Poppies played well. The Poppies played very well. Yeah. And you know, I was unofficially rooting for them. Again, like no bias, but it's just fun to see the underdogs. They're an all Spanish team. We don't have any regional teams in in, in Smite, and like three or That's four so of cool. them, three or four of them are from Madrid specifically. Which is, like, even cooler. What's also so, like, cool, I mean, this is a little bit cross-game, but, like, League of Legends had Giants come into the LCS, for, like, in the most recent season or something right. like that. I don't know. I'm not super up on LCS, but, like, another Spanish team. Like, Spain is putting out regional teams that are doing yeah. well in multiple games, and that's really cool, too. It's such a big community. It's Dude, really like... Sweet. Like... When that stuff happened, there was, like, this argument on Twitter, or not even an argument, but, like, a discussion on Twitter between Hindu men and, like, this Spanish community Twitter. Oh, I saw it. It had, like, 15k followers! <laughs> That's more than Dean Brandon! <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, it's very true. It's a That's small awesome. community. It's, just, it, it's, it's a small community, but it's all-inclusive to their entire small community, so it's relatively huge by... Like, proxy. And it's just so cool how that sort of stuff works. Nah. I would love to see it. Um, but again, Team Dating House didn't look good. But this is why... This is why the format is the way the format is. Dating House didn't look good, right? But they are the SPL team, which means that they get granted some of the quote-unquote easier teams to go up against in the Challenger Cup because sure. the regular season has to mean something. And, I, and I'm a soapbox a second... It's about the the big picture, the long term. I'm not saying like ten years down the line, it's all going to make sense. I'm saying that you I have am. to understand. We'll look back that, and we'll know that APC was correct. You have to understand that the regular season feeding into qualifiers and relegations, feeding into regular season. We have three regular seasons a year because of the way the split format works. So yeah. the way qualifiers and relegations work is you work your ass off in the regular season. With the goal in mind, so for traditional sports where it's a season then a finals, you work the whole time the regular season to make your way to the playoffs and then eventually the finals, which are all, for the most part, single elimination. Side note. Um, here, you work your ass off in the regular season, whether it's Pro League or Challenger, to get a good situation for those qualifiers and relegations for yeah. next regular season. And that's what you're fighting for. So... Did could the poppies have beaten Dignitas? Maybe I think that they definitely overperformed. Shouts to the the Archangel. That was one of the better plays we've seen in a while uh, on that Bacchus with the Gold Fury on Thor. But I do think that this is a situation that's earned. The poppies coming in as one of the lower seeded teams because yeah. they didn't have as good of a regular season as the other teams have to super overperform if they want to steal an SPL spot from a quote unquote bad SPL team because they are on the bottom end of an amateur league where they're supposed to be able to. If you're going to beat Dignitas, an SPL team, you're supposed to be able to beat the rest of the Challenger Cup teams. Sure. So it's sort of a situation that's like the regular season means so much and. I actually love it. 
it's fine to me if in a situation where the spicy waffles versus the Knights watch, both of those teams are SPL right. ready. Both of those teams could probably well, be it's, it's also just the assertion that the relegation situ- like relegation's goal is not to put the best four teams in the SPL. Relegation's right. goal is to put like the teams who performed well in the regular season against the teams who had more difficulty in the regular season, and then the winners go into the SPL. Like I think relegations. I think people would have let, when it comes to qualifiers, spicy waffles versus nice watch and Legion versus return. That's a different conversation. But I think people would be more content with relegation if we called it wild card. Because that's kind of it's not what it is at all by definition, but it's kind of what right. it is. It's like Dignitas is. It's a punishment more than it's a punishment for the. Here, here's the other example. More than an opportunity or, for the challenger team. Here's my understanding of what you're saying. The way relegations was set up was, the bottom two SPL teams stay in the SPL, the top two challenger cup teams go into the SPL, and then you play a match to make sure that that's correct. Yes. 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 Yes, any WWE fans in the audience? Guess no, that's uh, an old. The beard, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, a hundred percent. That's exactly what it is, and like, it's it's a it's a story where there could be an upset, but probably not. Sure, and that there shouldn't be an upset. Like right. it's the point where you look at these brackets, you're like, yeah, this shouldn't be an upset, unless like for some reason the Challenger Cup is super close, like NA season one was, where like. Everyone had 300 points. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, and that's season one. It's supposed to be a shit show, right? Like, the idea no. is... Well, I don't think supposed about, to be is the right word. No, I no. think going to be is the right word. Right. Like, yeah, it, it really, inevitable. hopefully it wouldn't be a shit show, but yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah. It's inevitable. And and with this split down and the next split down, I think I think by the time summer uh, fall qualifiers and relegations come... We will just see this be a lot more clean. We're like, right now, this was pretty clean. You have a you have Team Dignitas, who is a bad SPL team. And the Poppies almost upset them, but what, quote-unquote, should have happened, happened. Cognitive is a not-too-hot SPL team. And Resist didn't have a chance of beating them. And that's sort of what's supposed to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's... that's uh. I like the way that works. Now, when it comes to qualif- or qualifiers, when it's just Challenger Cup team versus Challenger Cup team, it really sucks when you see a team like Spicy Waffles that is SPL ready, they don't make it. But you know what's going to happen next time around? They're going to be that first seed, and they're going to go up against somebody. For- they're going to be in a situation like Epsilon and Team so, Eager, and that'll be like, duh. But the so, problem is, is that... You can make the argument that second seed, uh, sorry, second seed, third seed, and fourth seed are all bad, and what you really want is fifth seed, because of like the fact that there's no real basis for comparison between SPL teams and Challenger Cup teams. Like, sure. yes, you can look at the way enemy sports or upcoming stars plays, and then look at the way Team Eager or Epsilon Esports plays, but like. You're just fudging it if you try and do power rankings. That, that's, that's, right? That's exactly like that, it's, it it's the same thing you're doing when you go into a LAN event and you're like, 
I think TSM is going to beat Fnatic. <laughs> like, you don't really know because you don't really have a basis for comparison. And, like, it's either really deep level analysis, which kind of becomes subjective, I want to say. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, like, so complex that it's, like, only I can understand my thinking and only you can understand your thinking. Right. And it just becomes really hard to talk about. Like, I just don't think there's a good way to do it via power rankings. Mm-hmm. But every so often there's going to be, like, this sort of eh situation where a team in the SPL is granted a seed because they're in the SPL, but you could argue that they're not performing at the level to deserve that seed. Now, that also has to do with the fact that losing in the SPL, and this goes back to Season 1, losing sure. in the SPL is a destructive process. Oh, yeah. Winning in the Challenger <laughs> Cup is... A growing process, and my argument is literally Agilitas now Titan versus Team Coast. Yeah, yeah, very, very good point. Uh, Team Coast, for those that don't remember, they were not good. They were they started off fine, like they were were okay at the beginning. Honestly, they were Team Dignitas. Okay, with maybe a slight attitude problem. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they had they finished their season with like a couple of wins and a bunch of losses, and everybody looked down on them. And then you just had Titan, who, who Agilitas, Aquila at the time, just like, "Damn, son, where'd you find this? They won eight weeks in a row. Holy shit!" And they came in and just like decimated them because uh, that mental thing is is very very true. But I mean, so the idea is is that Team Dignitas beats the Poppies this time around, right? If they replicate the exact time, if, if everything stays the same, right? If Team Dignitas has just as shitty, just as shitty of a season as they did last year, or this year, this split, excuse me, and go into, re- go into relegations again, the level of Challenger Cup should rise because you're having more teams becoming yeah. involved. So that scene that the Poppies are in, Will just get stronger. That's the that's the that is yeah. The, the Challenger like, Cup is always growing. That's because the, the thing situation. is, your relegations by definition compares the bottom of the pro league with the top of the Challenger League, and the top mm-hmm. of the Challenger League is also by definition getting higher. Like, yeah. unless we have some situation, potentially an expansion, where like the top two or three Challenger Cup teams like graduate. And Mm -hmm. none of the Challenger Cup teams are scrim partners with an SPL team. And there's no, like, basis for growth. That could happen, right? But, like, Challenger Cup's probably getting better, and the bottom of the SPL isn't guaranteed to at all. Right. And, I mean, just flat objective observation, crap. Sure. All right, you're biased. Is the Challenger Cup team better now than it was last time around? The scene? Yeah, just the just the amount of teams that are competitive. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of teams that are competitive is absolutely better. Just and, look and at so, Europe. Yeah. Yeah, look at look at Europe. I mean, like, I ran the Challenger Cup scene with Cret last year. That was like our job. We did it. And I'm gonna preface this. I love Smite. Dude, sometimes those broadcasts were ass. Yeah. They really were bad. And we started we started to start in the round of 16, and they were still bad. Now, if you catch a Challenger Cup broadcast, the round of 16, 
You're not going to see. You're not going to see Fnatic versus TSM, but you're going to see not. a good game of Smite, and that's exactly what the Challenger yeah. Cup scene should be. And as Smite continues to grow, it's only going to get better and go in that direction. All right. Um, let's talk about next weekend for relegations, though. So. Okay. We're going to see another set of sort of expected victories out of uh, now the first seed Challenger Cup teams versus the fourth seed teams. Right. So that's Eager versus fi High Five, something that I know at least my team is really prepping for. Because, like, even though, like, it's supposed to go to us, like, no, you prep for that shit. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think that's you know, potentially a mistake that Dignitas made. Um, and that's a mistake that I am, you know, trying to avoid. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get too into, like, shop, so feel free to say no or don't answer, but, like, sure. not high-five specific, but when you're a team that's supposed to be, when your team A is just supposed to shit on team B, how do you prepare for that? And as Depends as on the, what's on the line. I mean, an SPL spot right here. Then you just you just prep as hard as you prep like you would for a land, and so you, you destroy them. Like, so you just pretend like they're on they're on your level, and you're just like no Oops. no 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 no. You prep like you're prepping for TSM. Okay, you like wow. go as hard as you can because this is your SPL slot. So this like is what your, matters. This is your meal like ticket. Your, it's picking your best mash character against like your little brother and his friends yes. they come over. <laughs> That's exactly what you do, because it's your SPL slot, man. Yeah. Like, you could lose the regular season. That's fine. You just have to stay there, because it's the pro league. That's your goal as a pro player. Well, goal number one is to be in the pro league. Goal number two is to win the pro league, but you have to be in it to win it. Yeah. Like, it's just a necessary condition. So, I, I think it's honestly, for, for the players and the teams, I think it's actually one of the most important matches of the year. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, because, like, if you don't win it, you can't win Worlds, right? So Very, very true. Um, well, actually, High Five can qualify in the Fall Qualifiers and then win Worlds. No, 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 but, like, you have to, <laughs> you have to win Qualifiers at some point, right? Like, the Qualifier yeah, yeah, matches yeah, yeah. are the most important. Um, well, yes. Among the most important. Like, aside from, like, Land Finals. I think it's, like, Land Finals, mm -hmm. Qualifiers, Land Semifinals in order of importance. Um... Yeah, so it you just you prep, man. You you got to be ready. Um and you you go hard. Uh and then in, in Europe, you've got a uh, Epsilon Esports. Who are they up against? The Broncos. The Broncos. That's that's like not a bad team. Yo, I actually so I, there's a link in chat for you guys that want to see the all of the the schedule and everything. So the Broncos are. I watch the Challenger Cup, but I don't always catch the entire broadcast. Sure. And so the Broncos are a team that I've heard about, um, and not a team that I really knew well. So Thursday, I think it was, I sat down and I watched three games from the Broncos, and they reminded me so much of Rambozo's last year. Where okay. they did, they do, they're like, they're an SPL light team. They do the things that SPL teams do. Uh, with 
Rambozo specifically, uh, Arduro would always come and share the experience for the red and the speed buff with a raw beam over the wall or something like right. that. Always and and that was sort of before, like, everyone did that automatically in ranked. Yeah. Now that's, like, trickled down to rank. Like, you just share everything if you're playing the game at a decent level. But, right. like, back then it, like, took effort and coordination. Now it's on that was a, Yeah, that was like a pro-level strat, and they were doing all, like, the sort of the right things, just maybe not as crisp and clean as the pro teams. The Broncos yeah. are doing the same idea, exact idea. They have their gold for your timers to the second, not to a timer on a minimap. You know, they are warding in the right spots. They're using lane wards. They're doing rotate. They're doing everything they're supposed to, and it's awesome because... No offense to the Bronco dudes, they're no names. They really are straight ranked or just rookie new players, and yeah. I couldn't be happier. Do I think they're going to beat Epsilon? Absolutely not. But I think this is going to be a great learning experience for them, and I would be very surprised if they weren't in the top couple of seeds next time around and possibly make it to the SPL next time around because that's sure. exactly the storyline we're talking about. Get it's, shit on it. They're also hard, like better and regular, etc. They're the they're the kind of team that grows in the Challenger Cup. Like, exactly. all right, you're SPL light. Well, do the things, do them right until you get to the point where like you're up against a team that has a little bit more flavor, maybe. But when yeah. they make a mistake, you're like, in the playbook it says when your opponents make this mistake, you capitalize like this, and then you do, and then you win. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to say it's just that easy, but like. That's how meta works. That's literally TSM and Cloud9's entire strategy is like, we have this playbook, you made a mistake, and we're going to capitalize because that's what it says to do. Now, their playbook is just like, you know, calculus, but like, whatever. Pretty sweet. Uh, Get Fisher says in chat, they're all German. I'm that's down. cool. Bring the regionality. Bring the regionality, I think. Yeah. But I mean, this is something that I would never force on esports. Because I like the fact that NQ can play... All right, I was actually going to say NQ can play with Sile, but they're actually the only two Both Austrian German. players. Or Austrian, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I like the fact that, that, especially Europe, people play with all different people. But regionality is awesome, and it's definitely something traditional sports have on esports. If, like, if I'm not into the NFL and I decide I want to start, I'm going to root for the Falcons because they're here in Atlanta, and I don't know shit about the sport. If you're coming into Smite... And you're from Spain, and you don't know anything about the game, you're going to root for the poppies. And that's really cool. It opens the door to casual fans, and if they're all German, hey man, it might be an awesome, like, might be an awesome opportunity for to get some new German fans involved, right? Like, that stuff is really cool. And I well, think especially, like, I think what's really cool, and I, I'm sort of taking this from Dota, is when you get regionality, and then a team breaks it, that's also something that's really cool, right? Like, and I'm specifically thinking about uh, Mouse Sports, where okay. I think they were a German team. Yeah. They had, like, I think medium-tier success, but their carry player was amazing. And mm -hmm. so Vici Gaming, which is one of the stronger Chinese teams, is just like, you know what, Black? We're just going <laughs> to take you from Germany and we're going to... And, like, they just brought this German player onto a Chinese team, and they're amazing, and that's so <laughs> cool! Breaking regionality so is almost more interesting than, like, having regionality. Oh, yeah. It's it's really cool. It's it's such an interesting interesting way to think about it and stuff. And I know that I, I'm pretty sure the Broncos weren't like, no, 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 German only. But it's cool that it winds up like that. They're pro they were probably friends beforehand. And like I said, I 
think Epsilon is going to beat them. I think that goes sort of without saying, but this team looks very strong, and I think next time around, it won't be as cut and dry. So, uh, talking about Epsilon specifically, I mean, dude, it's it's Raffer's team at BM, motherfucker. I love him. He's hilarious. I think he's really learned the support role over the past seven weeks. Uh, I, I disagree. I think he hasn't learned the support role at all, and he's just playing his own role that he made up. Sure. Like, he's no longer I, I don't think he plays... Support. I don't think he plays... Yeah. But I don't think he, like, <laughs> plays support in a typical way. I think he's just sort of like, alright, I'm in the duel lane, I'm gonna get a hog three, and I'm gonna do whatever I want, and you're he actually, can't stop me. You're... Yeah. You're 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 actually more on the point. He his style of support reminds me more along the lines of last of last split in con more than anything mm-hmm. else. He's just aggressive and does what he wants. And at the end of the day, his you know his his hogs are good. I think they're probably better objective secure players. But he understands where he has to be on the map to impact the fights, and that is a huge part of being a successful support player. I love how Yamin and Emilito in our chat are like, yeah, Raffer can't really play support, so he just, like, <laughs> it's like, give me the mana, and we're like, uh... <laughs> I feel like it's, he's like the cyclone spin of supports. You just don't really, it doesn't really make sense, which is whatever. Um, yeah. It, it, it's funny stuff. And then, so the last one that we haven't talked about is Upcoming Stars versus Elo Fishers, which... I think out of any of these matchups, this is the one that could be an upset. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying you look at so yeah. It, it, at, at first, at first glance, it looks like it could be an upset. But I, I think a lot of people aren't giving upcoming stars enough credit, and here's why: upcoming stars made a roster change during the SBL. They uh, dropped their jungler. They moved their support Chario into the jungle, and they put Qin back on support. Yeah! And then they played up against the top two teams in the league, and real talk, they weren't going to win that anyway. So, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, well, they continued to go 0-2 in those games, because, like, they weren't supposed to win. And for the record, right. they did do better than they probably were supposed to as well. So, um, yeah. I don't think we've really seen this roster play in an even game, or a game that, like, they can win. That has like a near or a greater than fifty percent chance of winning. So I think I think upcoming stars could do fairly well. Yeah, and this exactly. is their chance to prove that they are an SPL team. Right, and I'm actually the reason I said that it is probably different than what it seems on the surface. And for what it's worth, uh, full disclosure: the Flare Boot coach of upcoming stars actually did tweet like, "Hey man, we you know after our roster change, we went up against some of the harder teams." And that is a note that I personally made. The second you guys lost those matches, um, seeing Cherio switch into the jungle and Kewin come to the table was very. Sh- I, th- I think Cherio is the strongest player on that team, and I think that he is severely undercelebrated. Sure. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that the rest of the players are trash, but I think that Cherio is severely undercelebrated. When he was in support, I was saying his name while casting, and when he moved to the jungle, I was saying his name while casting. That's the guy that I look at. And he doesn't stream, he doesn't tweet, he doesn't make a big spectacle of himself. It's just about his gameplay. And that excites me. I think that's really cool. Um, I think that Elo Fishers have upset potential outside of upcoming stars. I think upcoming stars have definitely, as we said, went on an upward swing towards the end of the Mm. season. Uh, And I think that they definitely look better there. But Elo Fishers... Here's another example. 
Um, yeah. And I'm going to go back to Thirst, because it's the only team I ever talk about. <laughs> uh, Thirst won their first game, and it was a pretty spectacular victory. Snipe was not a weak team. Thirst got 0-3 first blooded. They died right. three times oh, yeah. before the game started, and all of those <laughs> kills went to Incon, and they won that game. Mm-hmm. Their next three games were up against Cognitive Gaming in one of the two teams, and duh, well. they didn't win. <laughs> and then their roster changed. So, like, what do you know about the original Thirst roster? Mm. Nothing. Because they won one game that was winnable, and three games they lost, but they probably weren't going to win those. So, like, who knows? Yeah, I mean- yeah, it's like you can just because you lose a swim race to Michael Phelps doesn't mean you're a shitty swimmer. And I think that's the situation that upcoming stars had at the end of the season, that Thirst had at the beginning of the season, etc. So I think this upcoming stars team is good, and I expect them to hold on to their SPL seed. With that said, despite the fact that Elo Fishers is known more for drama than their actual play style or play skill, I think most of the time, I think that they have an opportunity. I've thought the word is banter. Sure. I think they have an opportunity here to really do it. And I think it's independent of upcoming stars' skill, lack thereof, or otherwise. I think that Elo Fishers has players, like Get Fisher specifically, that they're very good. And when the stars align, this team can win and they will win. Now, will they win against upcoming stars is a different story. I don't think it's... Basically, what I'm saying is I don't think it's a hard no. As questionable as enemy esports is, I don't think Boogaloo's beaten them. Period. I don't Let's think the one's going to beat Legion. I didn't, you know? Like, I think those are straight up. The last ones, Eager and Epsilon, are obviously going to win. I think upcoming Elo Fishers is very close. All right. Um... Let's talk about Enemy, because Enemy's made some changes. Yes, they have. And they're essentially completely different from the team that was at this. Well, actually, no, they're not really completely different from the team they were at the start of the season, which is what makes the changes so good. So you still got Bronx Bombers, solid mm-hmm. player. In the mid, Jerby. He's been around literally forever. <laughs> you all know him. Have you seen Daredevil? No. Everybody's watching Daredevil, the I've, show yeah, on Yeah, I've seen Daredevil. I, I finished it, yeah. It's good. Okay. Uh, froggy. Foggy. Foggy. Dude, he looks like <laughs> Jeremy. He looks like Jeremy. It's Jeremy. I can but... see it. All right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Jeremy Nelson. Um, uh, I think they're running... Is it unique in the jungle? No. Is it? No. 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 We actually just posted uh, uh, an article. Enemy esports. They just acquired Batty Pocket. I'll put that in the. Uh, I'll put that in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the chat. So basically, it's it's Bronx Bombers in the Hunter role. Matty Pocket filling out that dual lane in the Guardian role. Uh, Sam Thomas, the football player, Soul Shiner in the jungle. All right, Soul Shiner's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Austin to the max in solo lane. Soul that team's back. actually like strong. Dude, Soul Shiner's back. Austin to the max is back. Matty pockets the fucking support. Like, this is not enemy esports, dude. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like Nemesis esports. Like, they've leveled up from like enemy to nemesis. They're good to go. This oh roster sounds really strong. I think Boogaloo could have some serious difficulty with them, especially because I don't think Boogaloo has Nick anymore. So, Ooh. like, Nick was like one of like the the players on their roster that you're more 
like casual esports viewer would recognize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So sorry, it's it's uh it's VDM or sorry, it's it's unique jungling for Boogaloo. So like, if they win, I think it's on unique. Like he could just Hulk out, but yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ooknik is... That's the guy. Everybody's got to look at Ooknik for that team. But, I mean, I just... I don't think Jervy is the strongest player. With that sure. said, I don't think it matters. I think that this team has enough talent that Jervy can be a role player. Like, um, Brandon always brings up the stat that... Uh, or, or I don't know if it's Brandon or, or a different analyst. Somebody always brings up the stat that like, dude, he can go. He there was an eight. There was a time when he went eight zero and like couldn't carry the game. Right? Some players just don't do that. Not every player is supposed to be a hyper carry. Right. And I think that whereas there was a stat in season one where if Lasses got seven kills, he won. Right. And like, I don't think that is as negative as it sounds. I don't think I'm taking a shit on Jeremy by not calling by calling him a player that's not a hyper carry. I think that's totally fine. Now the mid lane is supposed to be a spot where you do that. But guess who's going to Brazil? Kiki So Cheeky, the support mid lane. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. And he takes it to a next level. Like he's not even role playing. Kiki is just straight up support. Like Dude, he played Athena. <laughs> dude, like I scream against him, but I still don't understand how he does it. Like it's his playstyle is so unique. So I think honestly, a little bit off topic, mid mid is probably the least like fleshed out role in smite right like uh-huh. for the meta in hunters you have zapman and barracuda and i'm just going to talk about an a here you've got zapman and barracuda in the support role you've got jeff you've got aurora like you've got players that will uh-huh. tell you what to do and like think of new things you've got incon in the jungle you have Anninster and guards and dare uh mm-hmm. in the soul lane you have divios and that's all you mm-hmm. need <laughs> but Cyclone's there, too, to help out. And, and then in the mid laner, in the mid lane, who do you have? Because I don't think Boosh is really, like, no. meta-defining. I, I think, honestly... I, I think, like, you want to you wanna stay... Well, I'm only talking about NA here. Like, I'm straight up oh. only talking about NA. I want to say Stealth, but I feel like his play is too much Aninster. Stealth is Which a, is not a crack at him. Like, he's fantastic, but, like, that, there's too exactly. much Anninster in his mid lane. And I don't think Jerby is anywhere near the level of talent that MLC Stealth is at, but I think that's that's really what I'm talking about. Is MLC Stealth is, is a role player on his team, and that's what he needs to do for that team to succeed. He might get he might go 10-1 a game, but that's not his job. That's Barracuda's job, right? Like... Or, yeah, I guess that's Maracuda's job and, and, and Andy's job. Uh, he, he sets things up. He does what he's supposed to. He farms, he farms the lane. He kills people. He makes good rotations. He assists the team fight. He's not the guy that's going to win the game for you. And so, like, Jeremy really needs to internalize that. I, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he's trying to be a hypercarrier or not, but I think that if Jeremy really embraces his role player status on this team, Matty Pocket, Soul Shatter, and also to the max can... Do the heavy can do the real heavy. Soul Shiner, Soul Shiner is a player that like when you just look at him play, you see potential to be such a star player, oh, and yeah. it's so cool to watch. And at the same time, historically, he hasn't reached it for a variety of reason, and his play has been like not his play, but mm-hmm. the time he spends playing the game 
seems inconsistent because I'm pretty sure he's still playing D1 football. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if he is. <laughs> it's just a good reason. I need to catch up with him, but he played for Memphis, which is a Division One. Yeah. Like, they're a football team on fucking TV. I'm not that yeah. offended if you're playing football over Smite at that point. You're doing two days, well, you're doing two practices. One at five in the morning, you go to class, and then you practice again almost every day. That's the real life of a football player. And the idea that he comes home and still has time to, like, play and scrim is outlandish. So... I think it's going to be very scary, uh, and I hope I hope Solshiner does very well in football. I really do. But if he doesn't, it'll be very scary for when he finally gets to sit down and devote 100% time to esports because I think he will quickly ascend to be one of the better players, and I think that it's going to be scary for other people. So I think this enemy esports team, uh, I don't think they're going to have problem Pugaloo. And I think next split is going to be a different story as long as everybody really internalizes their role on the team. Really I want to I want to give a shout out to chat for really saying what I wanted to say about stealth. More sharks asks, wasn't uh, C9 playing four protect one for stealth? Meerkat responds, no, they were playing watch and instead get everyone ahead and carry. Yep. Like what happens out of the mid lane at least in C9 is so much Aninster that like. You can't, I don't think you can look to Stealth to be like, how do I play mid? Because he's got this transcendent jungler that helps him in ways that you will not have help. Ever. Unless you can somehow, like, pay Andy to queue with you. Um, So, yeah. uh, I I mean, what else is there to say about upcoming relegations? It looks like all of the higher-seeded teams will get in. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. There could be upsets, but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm actually more excited for this enemy esports change than I thought I would be. Uh, I just bring Soul Shiner, Awesome in the Max back. When Awesome in the Max was rotated out, I was sitting there pulling my hair out like, what the hell? Uh, he's back, Soul Shiner's back, and Matty Pocket is one of the people that I really love in this might scene. I'm happy that he's back in an SPL team because I really think that this guy deserves yeah. to play in a pro team. So. I'm very happy with that. All right. Moving, moving away from the qualifiers and stuff, uh, actually, something I want to mention real quick is Ataraxia wrote a cool article. Um, it's on Oh My God, I'm a Bird's website. Guys, so, you might not know who Bird is. Room. You yeah. might not know who Bird is. Bird is like Captain Coach's other half. He is part of the two band coaching team for Titan, he's a fantastic analyst. And uh, he's launched his own website in an attempt to get his name out there, uh, provide coaching services, etc. Yeah, so he's sort of the numbers guy and coaches the rub your shoulders, tell you it's all good guy. um, To grossly minimize what they do. So, in a world where you make your own name, oh my god, I'm a bird exists. We'll walk past that very quickly. Um, Yes, we (laughs) will. Actually, actually we'll fly past that. I hate you so much, Kret. So this is actually a really cool piece. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that I am very much into the, the the thought process of everything. I think that Smite is much larger than pushing your the right buttons at the right time. And I think that this article really shows that. Um, it's not by Emma Bird. It's by Ataraxia, the hunter for Titan. And I'm not going to read it, but the summation of it is that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like mindset that comes into playing Smite and becoming a better Smite player. Um, and I think this is a really cool insight. As a coach, 
Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about this article, Fred? Ataraxia is so smart. Like, he is... Alright. So, I I am... Uh, I've done work as an SAT teacher, right? And something that they talk about in training is every so often you get a golden child. You get mm -hmm. someone who, like, will give you the answer that you want to every question that you ask. Like, so if you ask, what's the formula for the area of a triangle, they, like, raise your hand and tell you and then, like, give you a little bit extra. <laughs> That's Ataraxia. He is, like, the golden boy of a, yeah. of a smite team. He will, like, he just does what he is supposed to in terms of homework and non, like, non-playing stuff <laughs> and talks about it and... That's so cool. Like it is. I'm totally biased towards Ataraxia because he was the first person to really use the unicorn build in competitive play, but man, he's such a good guy. <laughs> this article's really, really good. And I love what he has to say about the 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 mindset behind competitive play. Even though I don't really believe in this whole like stuff behind the stuff and like I think it really is just pressing buttons at the right time. Do you really? No. I didn't think so. It's, it's, it's fun to see the actual thought process of a professional smite play that has success. You know, Titan didn't make it to the win. I don't care. They're very good. They're a unit, and, I, you know, they really see the, the, long, the long situation rather than the short. Um, so I thought this was very cool. I'm not going to lie. I knew that Oh My God of a Bird had created a website. This is my first time actually reading something on it, and I'm impressed. Uh, this is something that I hold real close to my heart. I love, I love um, not just journalism, but I like long form stuff revolving around uh, esports and sports. I like Grantland is one of my most visited websites. So I want to see more shit from this website come out. I'm really excited. So I linked it in chat if you guys want to check out that. It's uh, a long URL that I'm not going to say, but it's oh my god, I'm a bird .com. Seriously, dude. So where did Crack come from? Uh, Planetside 2. So, well, Planetside 2 originally, but by way of, like, alts in World of Warcraft, I, I made a grunt character, right? Like, right. I was playing as Terran Republic, I wanted to use the mini chain gun, which is, like, that gun from every action movie, <laughs> and so I, I made a grunt character, and I, and I called him Creedon, but I spelled <laughs> it wrong, like, with a K and stuff, right? And then, like, I went and uh, I played WoW, and I made a bunch of alts, and eventually, like, one of them was named Kret, and then I added an extra T, and there you go. And the only reason that I'm actually Kret in Smite is because this is my second account. Um, my, fir my first account was Creedon, like, the whole word written out, but back then, when you bought the God Pack, you didn't get any of your, like, favor back. So right. I made a new account to buy the God Pack, and then I kept playing it, and now I'm a professional coach. <laughs> I mean... I feel like this world where you get to create your own name, this this esports, this internet world. It's probably not a good world to pick fancies or F swag. Well, see that's the thing. It's it's like a tattoo, right? Yeah. You know, you have you have a, a, a cool name with a cool backstory, right? Sweet. I have this uh, bird on my arm because me and my little brother would go bird watching every day, and you know he passed away, right? Like that's what that is, right? Sure. And then you've got you've got F dot, which I like to be coy about the backstory, but I think it's cool sounding. It's just F dot, right? Yeah. Like, it's just it's like it, it's like a sleeve of like a cool design, right? What's it about? Hey, uh, tribal. You know, tribal tattoo. Fuck, 
fuck you so much. I hate you. <laughs> God, why are you still on my show? Right? And then, and then you have like... Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's not your show on YouTube. It's my show on YouTube. It's only your show on Twitch. Well... Right now, it's my show. Later on, it's your show. So <laughs> we're gonna ha- we're gonna YouTube, draw a line down the middle. If you're watching this on YouTube, Kret's right. But if you're watching it right now in chat, I'm right. You know, and then, but and then YouTube you have gets the tattoos that are like it's like a it's like a crudely drawn dinosaur by that that punk rock kid that smokes far too many cigarettes with us, and he, and he brought his like home tattoo thing to the party, and you had a few too many, and said yes, right, dude. I love I those love names, this honestly. Guy. I love this guy, but that's, oh my god, I'm a bird. Like, that's what it is. It really is. And I think yeah. that the difference between that tattoo and the, like, ironic, like, mustache on your finger, that's, like, F-swag. Like, ha-ha, yeah. I'm an idiot, right? But but sometimes you take it too far and you get uh, those thick black rim glasses tattooed on your face. <laughs> right? Like, every so often the irony just goes too far and you just become an asshole. Oh yeah, you know. So I, I think that I think by far the people that win are people like Mike, Mike Ross, Ross, and people that just go by their name. Like I think those guys win. But <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Dignitas Reinhardt, who's actually not a part of Dignitas, I don't think. So he's just Reinhardt. Yeah, he's just. But Reinhardt is a really good name. It, it's it's really funny. I have a friend named Ryan Hart, and so Ryan Hart, the fighting game player, is a black dude with an English accent, and yep. Ryan Hart, my best friend, is a fat white dude that makes video games for a living. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So, whew. All right. It's, um, it's funny. <laughs> let's, let's switch gears. Hard switch gears. Hard switch gears. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, I'm a bird. I, We're just I, shifting I from second into fourth right here. I will always make fun of your name, but here's a conversation. Wolf of Elo Street. Wolf time. of Elo Street is like, oh my god, I'm a bird's name, but it's like in the same vein, but it's it's good. I love that name, right? Like it's like it's long, and it's it's a reference to something, but like it's funny. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> reference. It's not bad. Like the I mean... Wolf of Wall Street for Elo, because you all know the guy like that. That's just like. I can't stop getting Elo, man. <laughs> Shouts to Allied for the Versace hosts. Appreciate it. Um, and it comes at a perfect time because we're about to shift gears into our conversation about UI and spectator UI. And yeah, let's it's do it. something that it's something that seems so blase and so who cares, but at the end of the day, it's literally what you're watching. Yes, it is. And so we've uh, we've got a bunch of examples. Let's Let's start with Smite. So, you all know this UI. This is from uh, Legion vs. Return back Ooh. on Sunday. And uh, so, let's break it down, right? We've got the mini-map. Um, we've got the Gold Fury and Fire Giant stuff. You've got, like, the the sort of score bar at the top. Um, you've got your side panels for, like, gods and health and stuff. And then you've got your, like... Uh, team fight or your um, your god info with builds and gold and stuff, and then you've got like your breakdown of like the individual god in the lower left. That was a mouthful because there's a <laughs> lot of shit in this it's a, UI. It's an eyeful. It's it's really things. good for a spectator. I do not think it is really good for a member of the audience, which is awesome, spectator. 
and broadcast UI are not always the same. And that's something that Heroes of yeah. the Storm had to learn. Um, what's it called? Uh, Heroes of the Storm have a spectator UI that is, it is what it is. Uh, do we have any, I don't know if we have any Yeah, yeah, I can bring but... it up, man. Here we go. Heroes of the Storm. Uh, so this UI, it has some moving parts, um, but the basics... Wait, is this... Is this the one that was on ESPN? Yes, it is. It well, has exactly the moving what I'm parts. Not talking about. That's the one you're not talking about. Well, basically, what I'm trying to say is that Heroes of the Storm has a UI um, right. that is that you know has a bunch of information. But when Heroes of the Dorm, which is a collegiate tournament about Heroes of the Storm, was brought to ESPN, and ESPN said yes, we'll broadcast this. It was broadcasted on ESPN two, not three, the bullshit streaming platform, but ESPN two, the real cable network. When it was brought yeah. to ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, the people that have been putting on sports broadcasts for a long time, the people that are used to people watching com competitions with tons of relevant information, they boiled it down to what Kret is most likely showing on the screen right now. Totally am. Where it's just small amounts of info, and you were talking about moving parts. Right, it has some moving parts. So this is a still picture, it's not going to show them, but you've got your team names, uh, you've got, like, and I love how it says... UC Berkeley and then like Golden Bears so it's got like obviously not something that right. would make sense in Smite but well I mean maybe with like sponsors right so it could be like Team Eager Team Razor or something but like mm -hmm. whatever it's got the five players at the bottom and when they die they turn red that's not a health bar it's just an are they alive bar uh, it's got the team level which is sort of like gold here's the storm is a little weird it's got the number of towers up and it's got the number of kills and it can switch to, like, map objectives, that's all it does, there's no mini-map. This is by far the most minimalist UI we're going to talk about, and, I mean, we're going to come back to it, but I think it's a fantastic viewing experience. I actually, I love... Viewing, viewing experience. experience. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, now, for the power user, now, for the power user, people like, basically, everyone in this chat... My, give or take a I know we have a couple of uh, I know we have a couple of um, casual fans in the chat as well. But for for the most part, we have a lot of power users, a lot of like high end Smite players or high end avid no. viewers, as we call them. I'll bring back up uh, the SPL one because yeah. the power users are the ones who are like watching a team fight and they're like, "Ooh, I wonder if he is Mark of the Vanguard." Right. If I'm trying to watch this Heroes of the Storm, which I don't know anything about the game, I have everything relevant to me. Right. Oh. The, it's team, the team that has three is bigger than the team that has two. They're in the lead. Unless the commentator tells, because I don't know the game. The commentator mentions something and in swings a graphic, right? Happens all the time with baseball, for example, where sure. you have all the information on screen and it's like, all right, um, real quick, what are the tenements of, of baseballs? You don't want to throw like, in certain situations, you don't throw the same pitch, right? You throw two fastballs and then a slow ball or something, right? So it, on that fourth pitch, they'll be like, let's bring up the pitch. And they'll show the past three pitches and talk about what the next one could be. That's the commentator's job. So it's sort of like, uh, it, you know, they're talking, sweet, there's a three and the two at the bottom of my screen. One team is bigger than the other. The commentator is going to mention, well, this team, the, play the team with two, they have this ability, so they can do this. And all of a sudden now... I can be brought into it by the commentators, and they're going sure. to show me the relevant info rather than just go. Here's an Excel Excel spreadsheet. Do the work yourself, so, which I think is asking too much of the viewer. 
I think I think StarCraft is a really good example of this because it has a lot of uh, on-demand like info swapping. Now Smite does this too a little bit, Starcraft and is a it's, very with good the, job. Uh, it's with the it's with the like Golden Hand player kills, like the little gra or charts that get brought up from time to time. Golden Hand player kills, player damage, etc. We do a little bit of it, but we're not really doing the whole thing. Let's take a look at StarCraft. This is from um, a Limo League, which is more of a community tournament. Um, okay. League is really cool. It's run by Patreon, or it's, it's like, supported through Patreon, and the money from there, like, goes into these weekly matches to help support the Korean scenes. Like, it's really cool stuff, but, uh, yeah. this is their UI, right? It's got a mini-map, it's got your player names, it's got their resources, their supply, like, bunch of StarCraft stuff, and then it has their production, which is, like, what they're building. So it's got basic relevant information, and they can swap stuff out if they need some more information. But what's interesting about StarCraft is the mm -hmm. UIs are different. Drastically different from event to event. So let's take a look at uh, WCS Europe, which is their European Pro League. Now, right. this is pretty different. Uh, you got a mini-map. You've got your, once again, your like player uh, win-loss bar at the top with some general information, the production tab, the resources. It's got all the same info, but yeah. the presentation is different. It looks nicer. It looks nicer. Well, I, I, I don't think this is the one that you like the most as well. Like, this it's is... not. All right, you want to you wanna show the one that you really like? Yeah, go ahead and bring that one up. But all right. Like, this, so this is subjective, is... right? Like, it just doesn't look good or not. But I think the three I think this is fucking beautiful. Things, I think that yeah, and and the USA one I think is is the nicest, regardless of the fact that it's from my home country. Yeah. Uh, but I think they all show the same amount of information, and what brings my eyes to it is the fact that it's minimal. It is it doesn't take up a lot of the screen, so I can see the actual game, which is supposed to be good looking. Uh, whether or not that it, whether or not it is or isn't is a different story, but. That is, whether you like it or not, a big part of drawing in a casual audience. If your game looks like shit, my mom doesn't care. My mom started to care totally. about video games once she recognized that that was a person and not a bunch of squares, right? So that definitely means something. You want to be able to look at the beautifulness of the game. Shut up, I know it's not a word. And two, uh, it's cool that there's just everything that is strictly relevant. I don't see the amount of... I mean, Kret, you're, you're, you're a StarCraft guy. No, the sense. amount... Knowing the amount of big units, flyer units, better units, here, here's an units. example. Um, like number of workers killed is a really important right. stat. It's how much economy damage you've done to your opponent. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a corollary for smite would be number of mid camps taken. You right. don't need to see that at every point in the game, but when a commentator is discussing it, it's really good information, and it one should be on the I, screen. One of the things that I do really like that smite does is we'll have a situation where um, we do it with wards plays, gold on hand, player damage, etc., where it's just like, all right, you know, right now, Team B has great vision. Why don't we take a look at wards plays? Holy shit, Athena plays 30. Oh, my God. Those are things that we can bring in and out of the broadcast. I want to, yeah. I personally think that's cool, and I think that's great to expand because if we just had all that information on the screen all the time, it, who cares? It's just not that important. Is it? And I mean, like, then you start becoming the conversation of what is important at all points in time. 
And I think that to a lot of us, as I said, a lot of the people who are going to hear this conversation, they're That's too different. close to it. They're too close to the game to understand what is truly necessary to understand the game state. So the other thing I want to mention just about this UI before we move on is the minimap. I think this is the best implementation of a minimap in a UI because it's super clean. It's in the left mm -hmm. corner. It's just big enough that you look at it and you sort of know where the dudes are. Right. And that's all you need for a minimap as a viewer. Once again, mm -hmm. there's a differentiation between a viewer and a spectator. A spectator is like a power user. Like, I'm right. trying to watch this replay and learn. A viewer wants to see if TSM wins. Yeah. Um, you don't need the same minimap size or like location or presence you do when you're playing the game because the information is less relevant as a spectator instead you want to be like where are they fighting and is anyone going to be joining that fight soon mm -hmm. i it's love this minimap i think it's the best because it's also like the it's not embellished at all which is great yeah. it's just there it's in the corner it's a minimap you know what it is and I think that speaks to, it's completely, it's not at all what we're saying, but it does tie into it. Um, Smatter actually, we asked on Twitter, uh, and Smatter actually, Juice Smatter responded, and he said, you know, there's a lot of, like, over-design that goes into the, that has gone into the Smite sort of scoreboard. If you take a, if you take a look at the, the USA StarCraft one that Cret has, or still has up, I'm not sure. Um, Got it. It's very clean. It's just like straight lines and everything, and that makes what is already a minimal approach look even more minimal. It's just clean. The numbers are right there. You don't really have to understand. You don't really have to try to understand what's in front of you. Uh, so that's pretty sweet, um, and that definitely adds to it with the mini map. So there's that. What I mean, boiling it down to it, going back to the the Heroes of the Storm example, I think Heroes of the Storm. I, I do like a mini map, especially in a MOBA. I think it's important. So I think that was one thing that maybe that ESPN broadcast went a step too far. But it's important to note that that bottom bar that we brought up before was one of a couple of them. Yeah. So this this was the standard. When you tune in, this is what you're going to see. And then I think they had a different one for objective. Yeah, yeah. So, so just fights. the way Heroes of the Storm works in general, like every few minutes or so, the map does something. Um, right. An example is the... Jugger, or the, the central dude in Siege, Carl. Every few minutes in Heroes of Storm, something like that will happen. Carl will spawn, <laughs> and you go and you fight over him, right? And, like, then he goes away. And so when that happens, they bring up a UI that is descriptive of what's happening with the objectives. Mm -hmm. But you don't need that all the time. Like, in Smite, we have a Gold Fury timer that'll be like, It'll count down the time between Gold Furies and tell you how many Gold Furies have been grabbed by each team. Mm -hmm. You don't really need that in a viewing experience between Gold Furies. It's just not important for the the story that the match is trying to tell you. And right, like you once again, what, this is sort of really... like the culmination of this discussion, but I'm gonna argue that the minimap isn't either. To disagree there, but I'm going to piggyback off of your gold, uh, off of your gold fury. I mean, so that's exactly where it's the commentator and production's job to tell the story to the person at home. Yeah. Um, don't have any like. In a, let's pretend we don't have anything of the gold fury. Teams are obviously get. You can tell as an avid viewer, as a commentator, as a production staff, as a player. 
you know when teams are thinking about going for gold. Yeah. And so that's when you start the conversation. Well, uh, Team A is definitely trying to cement their self. They're looking at the support. They're looking for that Gold Fury. Production brings up the Gold Fury stats. Well, Team A has gotten two Gold Furies thus far. Team B has defended one. They actually got a steal. It, that's how you do it. You sure. don't need to have those Gold Fury stats up all the freaking time. Tell the people at home when it's relevant and why it's relevant. Because that, at the end of the, at the day, is the job of the commentating staff and the production staff to take this complicated game and tell it to the players at home. Sure, can you understand it by yourself? Awesome, slash spectate lasses, right? But like, hmm. that's, sure, yeah, I know. But like that situation is what it's, that, that's, that's what the broad, I mean, when I watch basketball, the broadcast isn't always for me. It's not. I'm a super nerd when it comes to that game. Right. So when they're talking about, well, you know, this player got hit on the hand, so he takes a, a foul shot. Like, that's not for me, and I'm mad. But when I watch it with my girlfriend or one of you people in chat that, like, don't know the game, it, that's what they're there for. So sure. that, there's a happy medium where you talk to both the upper level and the bottom level. But in the same way that a teacher can teach to the slowest kid in the class without being patronizing or doing a disservice to the quick kids in the class, a commentator can do the same thing to an audience. And I think that a lot of the time we just have too much shit on the screen. <laughs> All right. I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about like the differences between UIs, and I'm gonna go to Dota. I think Dota has okay. a great baseline UI, um, or a great baseline UI for this discussion. I actually don't like it. I think it. First of all, it's too much like you're playing the game. It's way too similar to the actual in-game UI, which it I think is the in-game UI. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. Like, it's just, it like, a hacked in-game UI, which I think takes away from the spectator experience. But I think it does a lot with sort of, like, graphs and charts in the top left for that on-demand statistics, which mm -hmm. is... Similar to what Smite does. I, I, I think I think it was a big inspiration for the steps that Smite has took in their spectator UI for, like, on-demand graphs and charts, which is super cool. Um, and something that should be in your spectator UI, and at times should be in your broadcast. Right. That said, this, I, I, man, I think, like, the gaminess of the UI really takes away from it. I completely agree. I mean, and that will also turn prospective casual new viewers off. I mean, when ESPN was broadcast, when ESPN2 was broadcasting Heroes of the Storm, if you searched the, if you Twitter searched ESPN two or Here's the Storm or or any of that stuff, there was a lot of, what is this video game on my TV? Sure. But there was also a lot of, I don't know what this game is, but the commentators are dragging me in. Numbers are simple. I'm interested, and I mean that's the idea, right? Like at the end of the day, it, the idea is to get more people watching your game. And I'm not saying that everything has to be catered to the casual fan, but you can't just think about the upper tier, which is sort of mm. what MOBAs do with having 10 people with six items each, plus equipment and actives and, and consumables and KDA all at the bottom. It's just too mm. much. And you know so, what? You know what is actually the worst offender is the LCS. The LCS 
is really bad. So here's LCS NA, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the minimap, you you got the player cams, and that's like the thing they do the best. That's awesome. But you've got like a player info pane with like creep score and items up all the time. You've got a sort of like individual character info pane and in left that's up whenever they're tracking anyone, which is all the time. Yeah. Um, and then at the top, the the sort of like team fight bar, man, it's just kind of a mess, right? Like it's got team, <laughs> whether or not they're wearing or losing kills, gold, towers, and then dragons. And if you don't know what dragons are and how they work in the game, that's like awful. It just doesn't <laughs> like explain anything. And I mean, that's th this is also, keep in mind, NALCS has some of the best commentating staff in all of esports. Oh yeah, they're fantastic. Like, they, they are consummate professionals that really know how to do their job, they really tell the story, and even with that incredible amount of talent, it can be hard to follow these games if you're not really in tune. So again, like, I'll keep coming back to it. I feel like it's just inefficient, is what I'm trying it, exactly, to say. Exactly, exactly. It, it's, it's... I'll keep coming back to it. If you put everything, I think the perfect example is is uh, just when you just put this much information in front of somebody. I don't know what's relevant and what's not. Right? Obviously, my eyes looking at the LCS and Smites—they're relatively similar. Uh, my eyes oh, as oh, a oh. viewer. And one what? thing that's fascinating is the difference between the LCS UI, which is North America, well, LCS NA. And the LPL, which is China, right? So right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna flick it over. And first of all, the sidebars move up for China, which is really weird. <laughs> and their top bar just changes and becomes more confusing. Like dragons are now like a progress bar thing. Like, why are these even different? It's the same game. <laughs> it's so weird to me. But I actually uh, like the LPLs better, and that's subjective. Okay. I just think it's cleaner, right? Sure. Yeah, I think and I think probably because of like the the less width on the top bar. Yeah, would be it's my guess. Less width on the top bar and the straight lines at the bottom. But I mean, like mm. going back to what I was saying, like I'm looking, I my eyes snap to the top because that's what the convention has taught me. Even if you're not sure. a sports fan, your eyes go to the obvious scoreboard. So you know, I see like two to one. I think Blue's winning. You know, uh, okay, sweet, and then. I look at the left and right. All right, these are obviously like the teams. All right, these are, it's the five on five that can tell me who's alive or whatnot. Uh, they have icons next to them. I don't know how relevant those icons. Then I look at the bottom. There's just all this shit, right? Yeah. Go away. Go away. Show me gold. Show me kills. Show me people that are alive, right? Like I said, I think here's the storm. I have a lot of issues with how much they took away, but hmm. with that said, I think they did the best. I think they it feels the uncomfortable best. taking away so much, but I think mm -hmm. the argument is like, if you really want to know, well, first of all, Heroes of the Storm doesn't have items, so that just sort of takes something part of out of the right. equation. <laughs> if you really need to know, like, like I do, how close to finishing the rage a hunter is at any given point in the game, like. You should be slash spectating games. You don't right. need the broadcast, and you don't need it. Like, we're talking not about a spectator UI, but a viewing UI, and a viewing UI doesn't need those sort of power user information on the screen all the time. It's just, it's what? not, 
It's a waste. And let me take that example. How close is the hunter to finishing range? Uh, it doesn't matter to you if they're laning. If yeah. they're getting ready for a final of Gold Fury, that matters if the hunter's able to back and buy rage before that sure. fight. And guess what? It's literally mine and production's job to tell you how important that is. So it's one of those situations where, like, you don't need to know. You don't. You just don't. Unless that situation is happening, and that's when the that's when the that's when production brings up Golden Hand and the build for Zapman and goes, looking at this build, crit should be able to be finished by the hunter very, very soon. Uh, they're fighting over the gold screen next. Keep in mind, look for the crits coming out of Zapman. That's sure. our job. That's what's sure. supposed to go down. And I mean builds I mean, builds have core ideologies, right? You are a burst mage with Magi's boots and Bancrofts, or you're a utility mage with CDR boots and Chronos pendant, right? Mm. You are a a Rune Forge tier, or you're a Heart Seeker tier. LOL. Um, you know, you're a you're a Heart Seeker hunter, or you're a Devo Gloves hunter. It doesn't like the ins and outs, like Ikaval being included in that build at all points in the game. Isn't really super important to the end user what's important to the end user is are they triple crit are they straight pen no crit like sure. that's what's important and that's again did they go heart seeker or devos is is like exactly. that's the story of the game well if they're going heart seeker they're trying to snowball if they're going devos they're looking for late game and that's what you need to convey to the end user you don't need to convey the exact build path that has been the same for every other game or whatever you talk about it when it's relevant um mm -hmm. Man, this is the this is the part we're gonna disagree. Let's talk about the Heroes of the Storm UI again. No mini map. I love it. Here's why. Why? Start preparing your counter arguments. Well, because so I actually pause before we get into that because I, I have a feeling okay. a lot of people at home severely because we have had this discussion for months. And yeah. when we first started taking away items at the bottom, you said no. You didn't like that. But no, and I was wrong. Of, as we sort of talked and and re like. You've come around, and so what's what was your core thought process and why they need to be there, and why has it changed? Because I'll just slash spectate the game. Like, <laughs> I mute the casters half the time anyway, out. because I don't <laughs> need them. Half the time. When, half when the time. Listen. The other half is when you're there, baby. Half the time, because, like, casters aren't for me either. Right. Dude, like, not only do I cast myself, but, like, <laughs> I don't need someone to tell me to get excited about the gold fury because A, I don't get excited, and B, <laughs> I know that I should be doing it anyway. Like, like it's fine. I don't need that. And when you're, like, a power user that, like, needs to see the minimap real big and wants to see Rage and Deathbringer and, like, how far away and look at the power spikes and, you know, is Andinster going to, like, take, uh, take the top side through the jungle or the bottom side as he rotating aggressively? Like, dude... The cast isn't for you because you're too busy, like, bitching around how the I mean, camera isn't showing you the solo lane at the right time. Like, you're already, you're already mad, so why are you, like, I mean, support esports? there is a esports, happy but... medium, right? Like, okay. there is a happy medium where when I cast, I cast mainly to, mm, if one is I've never heard of Smite and ten is Anonster, I cast mainly to a four or a five and then yeah. we'll occasionally drop eight and nine 
right? I will most of the cast will be four or five, and then I'll occasionally. And that's how it should like, be. Right, you know, and then I'll occasionally drop a, uh, you know, well, look at this ward that is placed right in front of the mid tower. Fnatic used to do it back in 2013. It's going to show when the jungler passes over the lane, even though it's in lane. It's not stupid, right? That's like a higher end thing. Whereas, like, well, this guy has crit. And the or when you like explain a character's passive, right? That's for the lower end. You got to do both. Uh, so the the overall like, I am a super basketball nerd. I can watch the basketball game and enjoy it. But a lot of what they say isn't for me. If you go on, and I mean, I think this is a great example. Uh, when you go to like our NBA, like the red, like the NBA Reddit, or the place where you're gonna find the people that are on our smite or in our audience right now. They're saying the same things you're saying. The cast isn't for me, dude. Like, I'm going to break down on my own tablet and do my own thing, right? Yeah. Like, that's a different story, right? Like, I just want to chill and watch the game with Wolfie, and we mute the casters, and we're like, yo, what is this guy doing? Or, right. oh, man, that was a great play. Or, yo, they totally could have gotten gold for you there. Yeah, but they didn't realize it because they didn't have a word here, and we're spectators, so we can view that. Like, that's me. Now, and and just to, just to mention this, like, Guys, this is a deep conversation. Like, we are flat out not going to agree. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on here, but... (laughs) All right, let's talk about the minimap. I think this is the most controversial. I'm going to argue minimap sucks and it shouldn't be shown uh, in a broadcast. I, I, like, that is straight up my argument. And bringing up the HOTS UI, here's the thing. And once again, this this is an argument that, like assumes two ideal situations that honestly should be should be a thing whether or not they actually are all right listen one one um the production and the casters should be like doing their job well right oh yeah of course. like it all goes to shit if they're not talking about the important stuff or if the the camera's not looking where the casters are talking we're assuming that two there's actually a mechanism of live watching the game yourself, right? So, like, the Which broadcast... Which I actually like to take out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. But, like, it that should be an option, right? Because we're just talking about, like, the viewing experience and not the right. the, the spectating experience, which mm-hmm. I think is different. Um, in the viewing experience, I think a minimap t- takes away from it because... You should, like, what is on the screen should be the thing that is important. And if you want to talk about split pushing, either frame in frame, which I don't know entirely how I feel about, but, mm-hmm. like, in a lot of cases, uh, broadcasts, I think League of Legends uses two spectators. There are two people that are observing the game, and they switch between the two of them. Yep. Right? So, like, hypothetically, it's possible to do frame in frame. Or you just, like, mention that there's a split push, and you show the guy split pushing, and then you go away because, like, that's all you need to do. You acknowledge it, and you move on. I think a minimap just, like, shows you what this what the game's not showing you, and why do you need that when what they're showing you is what matters, hypothetically? I actually really understand your point, more so than I thought I would. Um... That's the first time you've ever actually like fully articulated it to me, which was probably to, by design. I, I really like getting raw uh, shit. Oh, okay. Out of actually, show, wait. So. Be- before before we continue, uh, Lord Wizkid in chat. IMO mini maps can be removed, but you need to have some way of saying when people are nearby. You ever play 
Smash, perfect example. You know that thing when someone's like slightly off screen, but they're coming in? Mm-hmm. That should be in this game. Okay. Right? Sure. So like All Jaina right. Proudmore's rotating from top lane, there should be like a little like little picture uh-huh. of her walking down so you could be like, Oh, Jaina Proudmore's about to join this fight. That I is like the that. one disadvantage that this has. Or I the one big like, flaw I see. I actually like the minimap for not the obvious reason. I think if you want to bring up talk okay. about I think I think if you want to bring up wards it's much better to bring you know how we were talking about when we swing in wards place or whatever there's a whole other graph that comes down it's like sure. big and shit I think if you want to talk about wards place that's what you do with a minimap you make it big and you take you make it take up like a quarter of the screen and there's like a mouse cursor and you point to the ward you're talking about I think if you want to talk about split pushing you do the same thing you bring up the map nice and big and you circle sort the of Apollo reminding or some me shit. of um, Borderlands right when you're like I want to look at my map and then like this big thing comes out and it's got some info on the left and a map sure. and you look at it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Not ideal, but I don't hate it. Um, I actually like a persistent minimap because of orientation. Uh, when you look at games without minimaps, both esports and traditional sports, fighting games, no orientation needed. Uh, shooters, there is a minimap that comes up sometime, but there is Counter Strike usually uses X ray, Halo. Uh, usually uses uh, Halo usually uses X-ray as well, so you can see players through walls. Um, and you right. and with those shooters, you're switching first-person perspective. Well, so does often it doesn't sort of Smite also just for to to explain what X-ray is? Doesn't it doesn't Smite kind of do that too? Like when Smite you can does. see someone on a ward, they like have a blue outline. You're like, oh, it's Apollo. Exactly. I think, and you know, again, talking about traditional sports, uh, football, American football has like, there are hash marks on the field so you know where the players are. I think if American football didn't have a 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, et cetera yard line, you would need a mini map to watch the games, uh, to watch the game efficiently. Uh, same thing with, with football or soccer. If there weren't marks on the actual field, you would need a mini map to watch the game efficiently. Smite doesn't have marks on the actual field, and the jungle is so... It, it all looks the same if you're not super in tune with what the jungle right. is. Because of, the, because of that, I feel like a minimap is necessary for just to figure out where the action is that you're watching. Like, so, that was one of the big things that I had with this here, the Storm broadcast. I don't know the maps at all. And so at all points in time, they were fighting, and I just did not know if they were near a base, near an objective. And part of that's on the commentators, but... I think I think also field... part of it's on the map design. And okay. because Heroes of the Storm is a MOBA that plays across multiple maps, uh, like, like you have a series and you play one game on a map mm. and then you don't play right. that map again, right? Very like, true, yeah. <laughs> some of the later designed maps that were played less in this tournament probably because both teams like we don't really know that so fuck it but like counter-strike style yeah um some of the lesser played maps and i think i think counter strikes another example of this some of the uh, lesser played maps the more recent maps did a better job of telling you where you were through the map design um, very true i think i mean counter-strike is hard to talk about because everyone plays it right but like dust versus inferno I think Inferno tells you where you are, and Dust doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and even looking at looking at Cash, there's, like, signs that point to where you're at, and, you know, yeah, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. I definitely agree, and, like, part of that is map design. 
I um I think minimap is definitely <clears throat> I think minimap is a good item to fit to leave because as I said it allows you to keep your orientation but it also is the information that it gives to the casual viewer you don't know where I am on the map I'm near red buff with the same map can be given can, you can give information to the top end viewer look at the jungler look at the solo lane loki secretly cross behind the tier two tower all right commentators are going to mention that um look at the small rotation mids making to go into the back harpies with the jungler that might not be brought up by the commentator but the high-end viewer can watch that i think as i said sure. my goal is not to alienate the high-end viewer and cast strictly the casual but i think that when you can hit two birds with one stone that's that is the information that you leave up there and minimaps one of them a full a full item build that is not for the casual viewer that's for the high-end viewer well it's, um, i don't think it's even for the high-end viewer anyway because like you know what they're building <laughs> right true. like but, you watch yeah. the game and you're like oh he bought a heart seeker first his build's gonna be heart seeker aussie boots xe rage deathbringer i know that and then if it's not that the commentator better fucking mention it because like it's weird so, like, mm -hmm. man, I don't think item builds are even for the top-level user. Like, I straight up don't think they need to be on the screen. I feel like the item builds are in... All in the time, anyway. Mustang Rider, Mustang Rider brings up a great point. Um, and I try to do this. I think I found the sweet spot of recaps for a Smite game, specifically, has been about seven minutes. Every seven minutes. Or at least that's what I try. Okay. You'll you'll hear me go. All right, folks. We're 14 minutes into this contest. Uh, two of the harpies went this way. Fire giant going team B. Uh, team A in the lead by 7,000 gold, looking very very strong. This is when you bring up the item build, you know, and you go, sweet. There's a recap, and then you bring, you put the item build away, and then your chair two goes, yeah, you know, excellent stuff coming out from team. Uh, blah 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 blah. So. I like I like bringing up a re I like bringing up full item builds for a recap every five to seven minutes or so. I like bringing up more specifically. I like bringing up individual builds when they're important. Thor finished Jotun's wrath. Boom! Bring up Thor, his face, and his build. This is going to be a really important part for Thor. Expect to see a lot more alts, etc. Right? And again, that's on the commentator staff. I don't think it's really important for for that to be at the bottom of the screen all the time. And I think that. The little that it helps the high-end viewer, I think it hurts the low-end viewer a lot more. Unlike the mini-map, which just sort of helps everybody. The other thing is, I, th I think people are sort of married to, like, the item display. That's also what Like, you're just sort of used to it. But, mm -hmm. man, honestly, I don't think it's that important, really. Like, I know what this player is building. It, when they're finishing something important, like, when they're getting a big power spike... I want the commentator just to tell me that, right? Like, not every power spike's created equal. Your hunter getting executioner is worth mentioning. Your mage getting their pen items worth mentioning. Your soul laner getting their Jordan's wrath is worth mentioning. I'm using pen items for a reason. Um, <laughs> like, but man, in a team fight, you don't need to look at the items. Now, I do think Smite's team fight bar, like, I don't like it. I, I think could get better. Yeah. I, I straight up think the point of the like, why is the team fight bar there when you have the stuff on the side and that has the actives and the ultimates and the team fight bar doesn't, right? Like that's my thought. <laughs> but I don't know, like 
I feel like part of my issue with the team fight bar is that it's showing you something that doesn't show you anything, and if it just showed you nothing, I'd be like, oh, cool, they're showing us the entire screen. Right? But, <laughs> or, or at the very least, it needs to have, like, the team health bar, which I don't remember what game, I think League maybe does that, where it's like, it's like the total percentage of health as a team, which is just like a who's winning the team fight bar. Wait, Smite has that. No, I don't think it does. Smite's team fight bar does have that. I, I'm almost. It must be new because I don't think we had it a while ago. I'm almost positive, and the reason I'm almost positive is because it's re it's recently showed up in. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was there. The Chinese. I know that the Chinese League of Legends has a team fight has a team health bar. Yeah, and I think their North American scene has has it. Either way, like now, yeah, it's it's a like. That's what I'm down to see from a team fight bar. Like team health is interesting, but yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, total health is there. Uh huh. Total health is there. All right, it wasn't the last time I looked at that bar, which tells right. you how often I use it. Yeah. So, so the way our team fight works is uh, the team the team health bars at the bottom, and then as Zayden said, uh, if you guys don't know Zayden, the commentator for the uh, for the oh, you know account. what it is? You know what it is? It's it's a team health it? bar, but it's not um. There's no intersections on it. No, there's not. It's right. just all like, the total health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like the, the total is, health, the but like it doesn't really... Will... Right, like, the pic there should yeah, be like a marker for each person or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, I knew I had some complaint about it. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not... It's not ideal. I don't love it either. But I like it a lot better than looking at everybody's goddamn Deathbringer. Like... <laughs> Like you said, yeah. builds have bits, builds have identities, and it's important to say MLC Stealth is building Warlock Sash and Chronos Pennant while his opponent Lobster is building a freaking Doom Orb. That's commentator, right? That's the mid lane matchup conversation. So I think I think less is more. I think that the things that need to stay on the UI are the things that cater to both low end and high end. I by no means am saying that broadcast should be aimed at the casual user 100%, but that should be part of it. Just as much as we give information to the top end, we need to give information to the low end, and taking away is sometimes better than giving. Sure. Um, the, the other thing I want to mention is just, like, nobody agrees upon this. Let's... Yeah. I'm just gonna go through all the pictures we've used one more time, right? <laughs> Here's a Luma League, StarCraft. It's kind of similar to WCSNA, but it's a little bit different. They've made some changes and moved around production. WCSEU, completely different for some reason. Now, LCSNA, it's got a decent setup, or it's, it's like, it's got its, like, setup thing that's quintessentially League of Legends, and the LPL just does it slightly differently for whatever reason. Uh, Dota basically uses an in-game UI. The SPL, well, we've got our thing going on, which I guess is sort of, like, reminiscent of League of Legends and Dota, but, like, with yeah. more space visible, which I do like, for sure. And then you got Heroes of the Storm, which is completely minimalist. And everyone's doing it differently. Nobody it's agrees. It's super important for me to stress that that Heroes of the Storm UI is not what Heroes of the Storm has traditionally been broadcasting in their in their yes. community and professional tournaments on Twitch. It is what ESPN dictated they put on. Which is which, interesting. Which is very interesting because 
their actual slogan is the worldwide leader in sports, right? And I never, Trent and I will never have the is esports a sport conversation on this show. It's just not going to happen. You can go screw yourself if you want to listen to it. Competition. Yeah. We is will what have the do you capitalize the s conversation though. Competition is what I'm talking and you do. about. And oh, sorry, I shivered. <laughs> ESPN um, has the, and there are so many. This is actually a situation where the esports and sports conversation hard divert because for a lot of games, with the exception of baseball, uh, esports and traditional games uh, have very different amounts of variables. Um, but ESPN has been in the broadcasting world of competition for a long time. Sure. For a long time. And they do regular sports like basketball where it's simple, put the ball in the hole. And they also do things like billiards and poker and MMA and strongest man and freaking tractor pulls. So they are used to showing things they're used to showing competition to a large audience that might not be aware of what they're showing. They're used to showing competition to new audiences. They're used to successfully showing competition, both old and new. You know, these are all things that they're used to. Um, when you look at esports, there's a lot of talent in the world of esports and the world of production, produ producing esports, and a lot of veteran leadership, etc. But it's always been online to a sort of subculture if you will. Sure. ESPN is a mainstream service and thinks that way. So it's very interesting, without going negative or positive, it's very interesting to see that ESPN, I remember seeing Sir Scoots, who worked on that Heroes of the Dorm broadcast, Sir Scoots tweet about ESPN demanding certain aspects or, or whatnot. And that's very interesting to me because that's ESPN saying, look, we know what our viewers like. We know what our viewers don't like. They're not going to like your shit. Our job here is to convince them that they do and this is how we're going to do it yeah you know which is very a very interesting thing to think about man i don't know there's just a lot you know the other i guess this is the side of the argument that we didn't mention just for once again the item bar right like when nothing is happening in a game in a sport so like right between plays and football that's when you show your stats right Mm -hmm. So, yeah. maybe from a certain perspective, that's when you show your item bar, right? That's exactly when you do it. And that's then you exactly just put it away when anything is happening, but, like, mm -hmm. I still don't know how I feel about that item bar, man. Like, it takes up a lot of space, and it's a lot of stuff to look at. It's just a lot of stuff to look at. It, I it, think like, exactly. even, I get distracted by it. I'd rather yep. just watch the game. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. That you're building Warrior Tabi instead of Ninja Tabi. I, I really don't. Which is very interesting considering who you are. I mean, no, actually, there's only a. No, 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 no. There's a 2% difference between Warrior Tabi and Ninja Tabi on Hunters in the late game. It is actually negligible, and I just don't care. Well, what, what I mean is the, the bigger picture, Mr. Hyperfocus, <laughs> is that, like, you're the number dude, right? And you are. The epitome of the guy that wants to look at the builds, except you're saying you don't. It's just and... a distraction, man. Like, the game mm -hmm. is what's good. It's not competitive item building. <laughs> you're right, if it was, not... I would have won Worlds! 
<laughs> Unicorn was fucking gold, man! Unicorn was fucking gold! Solo lane is almost competitive item building to, yeah. to a certain Who can extent. build Mystical Mail first? <laughs> okay, I forgot. Yeah, now we're in the Mystical Mail. We're back to Mystical Mail. Bart said something hilarious to digress from the conversation real quick. During his cast, he was like, oh man, Mystical Mail. What a boring lane. It's almost as if we drastically increased the price to discourage people from buying this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, watching two Mystical Mail lanes is just lame as hell. But, I mean, yeah, I mean that, that boils it down to it. We're, we're running out of time here. So, I mean, basically, I think that less is more when it comes to, when it comes to information. I think that... I think that a lot of fans at home that consider themselves avid viewers grossly overestimate the amount of real solid knowledge that they drag out of the information that is on the screen. And I think that if it wasn't there from the first point, that everybody would be a lot more comfortable. Um, I saw Bagel talking about how casters have to be better. If there's no information on the screen, too, yeah, sure, they totally have to be better. And production um, has to be better too. Like, yeah. like you have to really tell the story that's on the screen, and you have to know how to like move from lane to lane. Like, man, it's it's hard. And like, that's the job, right? So yeah, yeah. that totally has to be on point. But also, casters can have all this information on my screen. I'm talking about broadcast. Yeah. Right. Like, I can have the full item builds up, so I can mention everything at any point in time. It's just, what do I show to the viewer? Which is a completely different story. So, let's round it out. Things that I think are absolutely necessary on screen at all time. Our uh, gold kills players, got like gods alive, actives, mm. which we didn't mention, and yeah. a mini-map minimally. That's what I think is absolutely I'm necessary. I'm down with think, the minimal. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I think I think minimap is necessary for um, snap viewers, people that just tune in and don't know what's going on. That helps out, like, uh, and also that that takes less clutter off of the top scoreboard. You don't have to include towers and phoenixes, right? Because you would have to include that if you take away a minimap. So at the top of the scoreboard, you have kills, you have gold, you have. Uh, Right, that, that's maybe all that's on your top, right? Kills and gold. And then you Well, have... and like team standings. On the top? Go on. What do like, you mean team standings? Team name, team name, oh, yeah, yeah, one, yeah, zero, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's standard. Um, and then somewhere, like I said, I'm not a UI designer, but somewhere, gods, whether they're alive or not, however you notate that, actives, I think, are sure. very important. Sure. Um, and, 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 and. Like I said, a mini map that so when snap viewers come in, they can you can look at the screen and see a general state of the game, and then when it's relevant, you know what the other thing we didn't mention is uh, really quick about mini maps. StarCraft Two is square maps. Yes, square maps look so much better in a like viewing. UI. Yeah, and, and I think the solution is you just put our map in a container and call it a day. or, or but, something. Like <laughs> yeah, there yeah. there's some like solution that like. Someone with aesthetic talents can give. I can't right. because I can only draw whales. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like square mini maps also have an advantage, and like the smite map looks great, but the mini map looks like Italy. Yeah. So, holy shit! But I mean, yeah. So, so, so in closing, I think it's important to be able to look at the screen and be like, 
Uh, 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 Team Solomon is winning by two towers and 500 gold. I think that's important, right? I think it's important to be like, at any point in time, there's four members alive on this side, five members alive on this side, and none of them have beans. I think that's important. Other than that, go home. I think that it's important for me to tell you, it's important for the caster to tell you when anti-healing is bought. It's important for the caster in production to tell you when Jones Wrath is online. It's important for the caster in the production staff to tell you when Magi's blessings are built, right? That is the job of the broadcast, and by overcomplicating things, by having well, the, the other thing is, at the bottom, is awkward. The other thing is, by by removing that, it gives the commentators, like, commentators more interesting information to give you. Like, exactly. it gives them a talking point that's, right now, sort of like, it sort of sucks, right? Like, you want to mention that your hunter just finished Executioner, because that's a big power spike. It but will determine the next team fight. <laughs> but, like, people are like, why are they mentioning this? It's not that important, I can see it. And, like, it takes yep. something away from the broadcast that should be there. It, it, it really does. I mean, Cryptic, they don't do that a lot of the time. I mean, we do. And the thing is, I'm not going to mention when Ikebal is finished, because I don't care, and neither should you. Uh, unless the other person, like, isn't building it, and it's like, okay, well, now this Ikebal, like, will do this. Exactly. And that's a, and, and that is literally a point I brought up last week. <laughs> right? I have never I mentioned remember. an Ikeval. I have never mentioned an Ikeval being finished in my entire life. But as soon as Ikeval was purchased against an Asi, boom! All of a sudden, it's about stealing. It's about stealing that those stats away and doing that to sure. your opponent. That is important. That's very important. When an Ikeval is built in the soul lane against a mage, that's important. You're stealing away a stat that the mage isn't using in the first place. So it's good for you, but it's not negative for your opponent like it would be against a, against a, another physical god. Yeah. That's important. I don't care otherwise if Ivicaval is being bought. Do I care that Rage is finished? Yes, because that's the first that's the first crit item. Do I care when Jones rent? Yes, because that's gonna be a huge deal for that jungler. So like sure. these are the important points that are there to mention, but there are so many points that don't Well and it's also matter. like both junglers, uh, Thor versus Sunbots, they're both gonna build Jodens Wrath. You mention when the first person finishes them, or if they happen at the same time, but you right. don't mention unless it's, like, important. Uh, Thor finishes Jordan's Wrath, and then two minutes later, oh, Hunbot finishes Jordan's Wrath. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you just heard that, it's like, yeah. yeah, he's gonna build it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's standard at this point, and I mean, that's that's a conversation again for the, when there's, it's that, not, I always call it no man's land. Nine sure. minutes to, like, 16, right? Maybe there's a gold fury done in that area, but a lot of the time, especially in Europe, there's not. That's, that's, that's like, kind of like when you're finishing up your item that's going to be good in the mid-game. Yeah. And like it's farming. It's after the first three gold. It's after the first three mid-harpy fights, which are the ones that really matter. Twelve matters, but less so. You know, you're not going to go all in a lot of the times on number four or number five. So it's like, that. that's when it's time for me to be like, you know, Scott, this is really the standard build for jugglers. They go boots into Jones into this. Have you noticed that? Like, that's what that's for. Right? No, that's so what you do in, like, first round of, like, Worlds. <laughs> You're like, hello, people who have not ever seen me on the screen before. This is the standard jungler build. Like, and then um, Dota, like, Dota had, like, a learning stream and stuff. Like, there's a place for that, too. There's a place for a lot of things, but... Well, I mean, the mm. other thing is that, like, 
this like people are learning stuff is changing esports right. is growing and we're figuring out what's good and what's not and i think the spectator ui is a big part of that for every game and it's well like, not for every game some games has it easy right fgc yeah. that shit's easy you put like name name score right. score <laughs> the only part that gets confusing is when you get to the finals and it's like the first set of three sets and if like oh my god <laughs> you need like a phd to understand what's happening but aside from that yeah. it's pretty easy yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I, I always thought about how Counter-Strike is the easiest, like, well, one team is offense and one team is defense. You shoot the other dude in the face. And if there's a bomb. If he you first, you die. Like, that's nice and simple. Moments yeah. did have it a little difficult, but I don't think that is an excuse to just say, like, well, uh, let's just throw it all on the screen and say, fuck it. Right? I definitely think there's a thought process. And one thing that I think is interesting is that we, you know, uh, Zidane's talking in chat about how less is more, right? And I mean, Zidane is a, he is the Challenger Cup commentator. He uh, knows the game really, really well. He runs SmiteVod. He watches a shitload of Smite. Oh, yeah. And he's, and... Out there, he, he's out there saying less is more. We took, uh, well, not a, not a poll, but I asked Twitter, and a lot of people whose opinion I respect, both people I know and people I don't know, uh, the overwhelming majority I got was too much info is always bad. Simplicity wins. That's from Smith Sinister. Uh, just well, that's cheating because I've had this conversation with Spiff. All right, but so there's like, and if you ever have a conversation with me, I will tie you down and make you have my opinion. Basically, what I'm saying here is that like we got a lot of responses, both positive and negative, and mm -hmm. whenever I brought this up, the response has been "Shut up! I need all the information." But when I actually ask people, I got more positive than negative as far as taking away information, which mm -hmm. is the first time I've gotten that. Like I said, a lot of yeah. times I just walk into a Reddit thread and go, how do you guys feel about taking away item bills? And like Bart punches me in the face and I get drop kicked by Brad. Like it's very, people like their information. Yes. But I, I think less is more for real. I really do. Alright guys, well, less is more, and there's going to be a lot less of us for the rest of the week, but we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Really F-Dot Liked My Transition. And we'll catch you guys later. Peace! Peace!